Good morning. Whether you're joining us over the live stream or here at the church, welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Reverend Chris Jimerson, one of your co-lead ministers here at the church. My pronouns are he, him. I am so thrilled to be with you today. I especially want to welcome you if you're new to the church, if you're joining us remotely, and you can, please say hello in the comments and let us know from where you're watching the service. If you're with us here in person, please join us for the social hour after the service. Either way, we invite you to go to our online visitor form. That's at austinuu.org. Click on worship and then the link to the form. We would love to know more about you. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. And it's in that tradition that I invite you to greet the holy among us, either in the comments online or by turning to those around you here in the church. Good morning. morning. I'm Celeste Padilla. I'll be your lay leader today. My pronouns are she and her. And please say with me the words we recite to light our chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. And our call to worship today is from Carl Jung. He was a Swiss psychiatrist, an influential thinker, and the founder of analytical psychology. I became aware of the fateful links between me and my ancestors. I feel very strongly that I am under the influence of things or questions which were left incomplete and unanswered by my parents and grandparents and more distant ancestors. It often seems as if there were an impersonal karma within a family which is passed on from parents to children. It has always seemed to me that I had to answer questions which fate had posed to my forebearers and which had not yet been answered, or as if I had to complete or perhaps continue things which previous ages had left unfinished. One of the things that holds this religious community together is that we have a common religious purpose. For First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, that common purpose is our mission. We emblazoned it on our wall and we say it together every Sunday so that we might more readily carry it in our hearts throughout the week. Let's say it together now. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Good morning. I'm Kelly Stokes. I'm your director of Lifespan Religious Education. And I'd like to invite all of the children and anyone who wants the best view of the story to come on up here. You get to see the pictures up close. Today's story is called Where Are You From? by Yamil Syed Mendez and Jaime Kim. And this story has two parts. 
the story has two parts. So in the first part, the main character is a child, and all these people, all these different people are asking this child this question, where are you from? And it's really confusing. Have you ever had that happen where grown-ups especially are asking you a question and you're like, I don't even know what you mean or why you're asking me that? Has that ever happened? And so this child goes to their abuelo. What does abuelo mean? Yeah. It means grandpa. Did you know that we have lots of grandpas and abuelos sitting out here today? Can we wave to them? Hi, grandpas and abuelos. Yes. So grandpas and abuelos are often full of good answers. This one is also full of a lot of poetry, I think. You will like what he has to say. So the first part is these questions. And I'm going to pause in the middle because there's something that they say in here that I don't agree with. We'll see what you think. Where are you from? They ask. Is your mom from here? Is your dad from there? They ask. I'm from here, from today. Same as everyone else, I say. No, where are you really from? They insist. Are those people kind of rude? I think so. I ask Abuelo because he knows everything. And like me, he looks like he doesn't belong. This is where I'm going to stop. Because that sentence, he looks like he doesn't belong. Because I'm a Unitarian Universalist, I don't really believe that's a thing. I don't think that the way you look can ever mean that you don't belong. Does that make sense? So I don't agree. But there, people are making them feel like they don't belong because of the way they look. So they ask... Where am I from? Abuelo thinks. His eyes squint like he's looking inside his heart for an answer. You come from the pampas, the open, free land, he says. You're from the gaucho, brave and strong. From the brown river that cleanses and feeds the land, that gives us the grain for our bread, the milk from the cows. You're from the mountains so high, they tickle Senor Cielo's belly, where the condor roosts his family and the jaguar prowls the night. But you're also from the warm blue oceans the copper warriors tried to tame, and the elegant palm trees stretch their fingers to caress. He's kind of a poet, this grandpa, right? You're from the hurricanes and dark storms, and a tiny singing frog that calls the island people home when the sun goes to sleep. From the land where our ancestors built a home for all, even when they were in chains because of the color of their skin. You're from their grandmothers, who search for their grandchildren, waiting, always waiting, in a plaza, their white handkerchiefs wrapping the sorrow of their thoughts. You come from the sunshine that lights our path in this world and the rain that washes away our mistakes. This grandchild is getting a little bit frustrated with these beautiful thoughts. <laughs> they say, but Abuelo, where am I really from? Abuelo laughs. You want a place? He points to his heart. You're from here, from my love and the love of all those before us. From those who dreamed of you because of a song sung under the Southern Cross, or the words in a book written under the light of the North Star, you, you are from all of us. I am. And 
we, we here, are from all of us here and all of those who were here before us. Our reading today is a quote from Adrienne Marie Brown. She's a writer, activist, and facilitator. From 2006 to 2010, she was executive director of the Ruckus Society. Brown describes her thought as post-nationalism, and others have described it as black feminism. There is a saying that has been popular in the past few years. I am my ancestor's wildest dream. I love this idea, and I have put seeds in that soil. But there are also, in my lineage, ancestors for whom I am likely their worst nightmare. <laughs> it's true. A black, queer, pansexual, polycurious, unmarried, childless, defiant, feminist, post-capitalist, earth lover, constantly thinking about what might be the most revolutionary next step I could take. Yes, I know there are ancestors who would feel they had failed in their work because I exist. But what I know, which maybe these ancestors have some sense of now, is that the impulse to dominate and control and harm and deny the truth of divergent human experiences is rooted in self-loathing. I have to honor that those ancestors lived in a time of less knowing, less connectedness, and less possibility. I have to honor that their lives are crucial to my callings. I pass my current experiences of freedom and delight back to the ancestors who did not have access to rest or agency over their time. I pass my current experiences of self-love and radical self-acceptance back to my ancestors. This is the time in our service where we center ourselves together. We breathe together. Breathing together, we sense one another's loving presence even across virtual space. Breathing in, breathing out, we follow our breath to a deeper place inside, a place of greater wisdom, that place where we sense the presence of those who came before, a place where a spark of the divine resides within each of us. And breathing together, we enter a time of sacred silence, remembering that we also hold sacred human sounds, including those of small children, <laughs> like this morning. Breathing together, we now enter into that time of sacred silence together.
I invite you now to light candles if you are so moved. Candles representing sorrows, joy, hope, remembrance, resilience, whatever is on your heart at this time. As we light candles, please keep in your mind and heart church member Amy Bennett, who begins chemotherapy on Tuesday, which will run through the beginning of February. Also, please hold in your hearts Karen Cleary, who has suffered a setback in her healing from surgery, which requires more inpatient treatment and observation. I'm pleased to say that we heard this morning that she's doing a little better. We send much love and many prayers to Karen, her husband, Michael Kersey, and their family. Our hearts cry out also for all those who are suffering and all who have been lost because of the violence occurring in land that is held holy by so many. Now when the music begins and we light our candles, let us hold a loving stillness together throughout this time of meditative quiet. History, heritage, they play such strong roles in who we become and how we act in the world. His story, his, already, already a heritage of patriarchy shows up within our very word for the story of what built us. 
Our heritage, like our DNA, provides building blocks from which we construct ourselves. I want to give you an example from my own his story. I've shared before how my maternal grandparents were a great source of love and care in my life, how they welcomed my spouse Wayne as a much-loved member of our family. And yet, they were Southern Baptist and of a different generation. They were from, as our reading earlier noted, a time of less knowing. So, when Wayne and I were with my grandparents, they and we never openly discussed that we were a couple. And of course, back then, legal marriage equality was only a distant dream. Even though they loved us both greatly, and we them, this vital aspect of our lives was left unspoken. Until my grandmother was nearing the end of her life, we were visiting her for what turned out to be the last time she would let herself be put into a hospital. As we said our goodbyes, got ready to leave, she took us both by the hand, locked her eyes with mine, and said, take care of each other. In that brief moment, her love broke through what had been implicit and made it explicit. She gave to me and to Wayne an inheritance of limitless loving given to her by her ancestors. She broke through that heritage of less knowing. And so... I come from a heritage of taking care of one another and one where love was demonstrated both physically and verbally. I think that may be at least in part a source of my calling to ministry and before that an adulthood spent in mostly nonprofit work and anti-oppression, anti-racism, social justice activism. Yet... I also come from a heritage wherein my grandfather was a deacon in one of those Southern Baptist churches, where there were norms against expressing uncomfortable truths aloud. Significant aspects of our lives had to be left unacknowledged. And though it has often been hard for me to reconcile myself with emotionally, I also hold a heritage of patriarchy, racism, anti-LGBTQism, and so many other isms handed down to me from within my family as well as the community and indeed the country in which I grew up. So while my family story involved a legacy of offering care, that care sometimes came with unspoken requirements. Like when my family would invite anyone to Christmas dinner if they found out they were spending the holiday alone, and yet, yet a silent code required everyone to stay in their place according to race, gender, orientation, 
etc. As I've gone about the work of social justice and ministry, I have had to persistently unlearn an inheritance of privilege hierarchies, supremacy cultures. I expect it's this way for most of us, if not all of us. We all have to deal with impersonal karma, the things left unfinished that Carl Jung referenced in our call to worship, the impulse to deny the truth of diverse human experiences that Adrian Marie Brown highlighted in our reading. We all come from a long story that runs through multiple generations, and our story is a large part of who we are. We can change the plot, though. We can draw from our heritage that which creates more love, more justice, more fulfillment in our lives and our world. We can choose to leave behind legacies of pain and harm. Now, this same dichotomy of inheritances has also been handed down to us by our Unitarian Universalist ancestors, as well as those of this church. Just as a few examples, here in the U.S., both our Unitarian and Universalist ancestors were early supporters of abolition, women's suffrage and rights, new ways of educating children, a host of social services for people in need. They were among the first predominantly white denominations to ordain African-American ministers and women as ministers. And yet, the book The Iowa Sisterhood tells the stories of Unitarian and Universalist women who forged difficult but ultimately successful ministries in the great plain states of the 19th century, but were never, never accepted by most of their male colleagues. In fact, they entered these small, struggling, then-frontier parishes to begin with because they couldn't get placements in the more established churches of New England. Likewise, Black Pioneers in a White Denomination reveals the tale of the Unitarian minister, Ethel Red Brown, who left Jamaica to attend our Meadville Unitarian Seminary in the early 20th century, even though he had been told by that seminary that he would be unlikely to get a placement in any of their virtually all-white churches. And that turned out to be true. So... Brown founded an African-American Unitarian church in Harlem. And that church became extraordinarily successful only for Brown to find himself kicked out by the Unitarian Association because he was too radical. Which meant he was a socialist who dared to demand true equality for black folks. He was only reinstated after he threatened a lawsuit. 
Our great Unitarian minister Theodore Parker was an abolitionist, even at a time when some other Unitarians and Universalists supported slavery. He kept a gun in his pulpit because he and his church were helping slaves escape to the north and to Canada. He preached thunderously against slavery and said that, quote, slavery tramples on the Constitution. And yet, he also said some terribly racist things that I will not repeat here today. A legacy of less knowing. More recently, after the Unitarians and the Universalists merged, we UUs have been at the forefront of civil rights, women's rights, environmentalism, LGBTQ rights, and so many other movements for social justice. And yet... We have suffered repeated incidences of racism, misogyny, and the like within our own institutions. In 1968, a group of black Unitarians and their white supporters walked out of our Unitarian Universalist National General Assembly because of disagreements over whether the Black Affairs Council would be funded and structured in a way that empowered them to manage their own affairs. Now, this has become known as the black empowerment controversy. Maybe, though, it might be better remembered as the white supremacy culture affair. More recently, in 2017, the president of our Unitarian Universalist Association and other upper staff resigned over a controversy surrounding a BIPOC final candidate for one of our regional lead positions. She was told, quote, you're not a good fit. A white guy hired another white guy for the position. These are just a few examples of a dichotomy within our UU heritage. And likewise, the story of our church contains tales of great commitment to our faith and values as well as some challenges along the way. Going all the way back to the beginning of the 20th century, this church was active in women's suffrage, feminism, and civil rights. We helped fight for the desegregation of Barton Springs Pool, and after that, all pools in Austin. Throughout its history, the church has supported numerous charities. We've been active in LGBTQ rights from very early on and helped the Capital Area Men's Chorus get started. From its beginnings, we were active in the struggle against AIDS. We helped launch two of the other UU churches in our area, as well as our U-Bar-U retreat center in the Hill Country and another uh, LGBT-supportive church of a different denomination in our area. Over the years... Our church members have carried our religious values into leadership roles in our community, roles in the arts, higher education, music, medicine, poetry, theology, politics, well, you name it. One of our resident historians, church member Luther Elmore, discovered that former Texas Governor Ann Richards was a member of this church. 
She served as either board secretary or board treasurer. No one can seem to remember which, but we have inarguable proof that she signed that membership book in 1969. Philosopher Charles Hartshorn, one of the major contributors to process theology, which has become a sustaining worldview for many UUs, including me and many other people in liberal religion, Hawthorne was also a long-term member of this church. So we are rooted in an ancestry of justice-making, honest theology, human equality. And yet, just for example, the church only called its first female settled minister, Meg Barnhouse, in 2011. We've had a couple of female interim ministers before that. But, hey, at least after that, the church went big, bringing on several more female ministers and two more LGBTQ ministers besides Meg since then, plus a wonderfully diverse group of guest ministers. And like our larger UU faith, we have also had our fair share of controversies over the years. Over the years, excuse me. I had the pleasure of visiting one of our long-term church members who lived to be over 100 years old, not long before she died. She got to recounting stories about the church while we visited. At one point, she stopped, looked at me, and said, Take it from me. I've been with that church for a long time, and it's one of the best religious communities anywhere, and I argued with those people more than anyone in my life. Well, again, these are just a few examples. If you want to know more about our church heritage, our other resident historian, Leo Collis, has posted QR codes like the one on this column throughout the church that bring you some of that history. Look for small signs with an Easter egg printed on them. Again, like me with my family, We can learn from when our heritage has sometimes failed to live up to our professed values. At the same time, we can also receive with gratitude the commitment to progress, justice, and human dignity our ancestors bequeathed to us. I'll close by noting that, of course, We live in a country in which our ancestors have also left us this dichotomy of inheritances, a country about which attorney, activist, and commentator Van Jones wrote, From the very beginning of this country, America has been two things, not one. We have our founding reality and our founding dream, and the two are not the same. So, our heritage includes slavery, racism, violence, subjugation of Native Americans and the theft of their lands, voting disenfranchisement, imperialism, and the denial of the very existence of LGBTQ folks, just to name a very few. A his story told not just to center males, 
but that has also tried to erase the contributions and perspectives of those with different heritages. Again, women, BIPOC folks, LGBTQ folks, and more, erase these from the formative stories of our country. And yet, our heritage also includes that founding dream articulated by our ancestors, that beautiful vision of the self-evident truth that we are all created equal. So once again, we can draw from our heritage that which creates more love and more justice and leave behind legacies of pain and harm We inherit a heritage of racism. We inherit a heritage of patriarchy. We inherit a heritage of heterosupremacy and gender orthodoxy. We inherit a heritage of enforced and reinforced income and wealth inequality and so many other inequalities upon inequalities. We inherit a heritage of often violent and even lethal oppression and injustice. And yet, we also inherit a heritage of all people are endowed with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We inherit a heritage of we shall overcome and I have a dream. We inherit a heritage of suffragettes. And Stonewall, and make love, not war, and feminism, and act up, and womanism, and occupy Wall Street, and save our planet, and Black Lives Matter, and me too, and rock the vote, and on, and on, and on. We inherit a heritage of love, and justice, and inherent worth, and dignity for all. So the question becomes, what parts of our heritage shall we pick up and pass on? What of our heritage shall we amplify and what shall we leave behind? Right now, in this moment, and in all of our days for some future someones, we are the ancestors. What heritage will we leave them? What inheritance shall we become? Our choices can create seeds of hope for future generations. May that be our story.
are women. Amen. Blessed be. Please say with me the words we recite to extinguish the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. For our benediction today, I offer you words from poet Maya Angelou. History, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived. But if faced with courage, need not be lived again. Lift your eyes up upon the day breaking for you. Give birth again to the dream. I send you much love. I wish you much peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.